Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If, we, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Genesis chapter 39. And uh, we're going to continue right along in our study uh, entitled Life. I know most of you know what's going on here, but we are, uh, we've already walked through the lineage of the, uh, the person Joseph, the biblical character, if you will, uh, Joseph. And uh, now we've been kind of examining his life. Uh, we've seen him deal with a lot of adversity. We've seen him deal with uh, betrayal. We've seen him deal with being in bondage, a lot of stuff he's dealt with, a lot of trials, a lot of things that we can learn from. Uh, I think that, I know for me, I think some of us got encouraged with his lineage because some of the things we saw in his lineage was his family's messed up. And sometimes we realize, man, our family's messed up too. And so it's okay, God still uses somebody with a messed up family, you know, in a a messed up background. Uh, but the same, in similar fashion, we've found things that have been really encouraging and helpful because Joseph has gone through a lot of those difficult things, and a lot of us are going through difficult times in our lives, whether it be a physical trial, uh, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational, financial. There's a lot of things that a lot of people in our church are going through. And so I think there's different uh, life points that we've seen that are very, very important. And last week was no exception. Last week, uh, the point we saw was when you're struggling against temptation— you must be fixated on Christ to see, to see victory. Again, as a child of God, our only hope against the battle of sin in this world and the enemy is Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, when he was saying, and there's things that I do and, and there's things that I don't do, and he finds this war, he says, that's raging within his members, and he says, who's going to deliver me from the body of this, 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 this body that is full of death, that, that loves to sin, this, this fleshly body, who's going to be my help? Who's going to be my deliverance? And he says, I thank my God through my, Lord's Jesus, my Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Christ alone that we can have victory in sin and, and against anything that we face temptation-wise. And so we've got to, we've got to be fixated on Christ. Uh, if any point in time, if you've been a Christian for a while, if you've noticed that, man, there's been moments in my life that I gave into temptation. There's moments in my life where, where I was consumed in, in this most of the time, if we're honest, you could say, like me, my eyes weren't fixated on Christ. I, my eyes were fixated on the trial. My eyes were fixated on the, the stuff that I was doing in this life, my work, the busyness, the activities. I wasn't fixated on Christ. Man, the enemy came in and just knocked me off my feet. Again, our only hope against temptation and this war against sin is to keep fixated on Christ. That's what we saw with Joseph. Potiphar's wife was relentless. We've seen her so far try and try again. We're going to see that in, in, in verses 10 through 12 in just a second. But this woman, not only was she relentless, but we've got to remember she was powerful. She had influence. She had clout. She had all the things that uh, if she was going to get her way, she was going to get away. So interesting. I think it was yesterday that, again, a daily devotion that I get in my email every day referenced the verses uh, that we talked about last week. And uh, one of the things that, uh, the, the title of it was, um, Whatever It Takes. And uh, basically the point was, flee. I mean, whatever you got to do to get out of uh, sin's gri- grip, get out of it. You know, flee it, get, you know, run away from sin. Um, but one of the points that the, uh, the writer of the devotion said was this. 
she was a powerful woman, and she was making this advance to, uh, to Joseph, and we have no reason not to believe that she, hasn't, she hadn't done this before she did this to Joseph. And, and I think that we could assume this. If she was so bold and brazen to make this advancement on this, you know, this person who's been entrusted with so much, we, it would be reason enough to believe that she's done this before. Uh, and so she had every reason to, to think that when she makes this advancement against Joseph, he's just going to be another, another one that gives in to her advances. But she finds something a little bit different with Joseph. Uh, he's fixated on the Lord. He's determined to be who God's called him to be regardless of what he's going through. We've seen that. Uh, but she was not willing to stop. She was manipulative. She knew what to say. Again, she was persistent. No doubt Joseph would have, would have been captivated by her manipulative ways if he wasn't fixated on the Lord. But where we left off was verse 12. And I just want to read that back, verses 10 through 12. It says, And it came to pass that she spoke to Joseph day by day. Again, this is her persistence. That he hearkened not unto her uh, to, to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. Again, he was over all of Potiphar's house. Potiphar was the, the chief general of all of Egypt, right under Pharaoh. Joseph was in charge of everything this guy had. He went in to do this business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. So he was the only guy. But his wife, Potiphar's wife, was there, and she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. But Joseph, what he did is he got out of Dodge. He said, no way, Jose. Remember last week? That's what, that's what he did. He got out of Dodge. He ran, but he left his garment in her hand, peeling out of his coat, his, his outer garment or whatever, and fled and got him out. And so that's where we left off, Joseph fleeing temptation, fleeing uh, this circumstance to, to, to avoid falling into sin, falling into temptation. And we're going to move forward this week, so let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to gather in your name. Thank you so much for uh, this, this group this morning. Uh, it's such a blessing to see not only your people, but possibly people seeking um, to, to find out more about you, to know what it is to be one of your children. Uh, Lord, to know you uh, because of what you've done and what you've offered. And uh, I thank you for our members. Thank you for our guests. Thank you for this opportunity again to not only experience what we've already experienced through song, um, Lord, but Lord, to open up your word now. We realize this is not just man's thoughts. This is not just uh, somebody's writings. God, this is your word. It's eternal. It's truth. And I pray that we would glean from this what you want for us to glean. Lord, that you'd speak to us. Lord, give us the things that we need. Lord, you know every single person in this place. You know the numbers of hair on our heads. You tell us that in your word. And so you know what, what we need. You know what we, we're dealing with. And so just speak to us, God. As we sang the song a while ago, the Holy Spirit, we're, you're welcome in this place. Uh, Lord, we want you to do what only you can do. Um, and I realize I'm just a man, and I'm submitting myself here just to be a vessel, God. Just use me as a mouthpiece for, to express what you want to express. Uh, to proclaim what you want proclaimed. And uh, Lord, we'll praise you for that. We ask this and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 39, we're just going to pick up, keep, uh, keep going where we left off there in verse 13. And it came to pass. Remember, she has her, his garment in her hand. She saw that he had left her gar his garment and was, he's gone, fled forth. As she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought a Hebrew uh, unto us to mock us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me, and he fled, and he got him out. 
She laid, uh, and she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. I, I don't know uh, really how to be um, feminine in, in, in stuff, but uh, I, I will say this. I can imagine, so what happens is she's screaming and hollering and making this fit, and, and um, all the guys come rushing in because they hear, hey, the, the master's wife, and, and she's dramatically portraying this scene that didn't happen. And then she, I can imagine, falls back on her bed and with her, with her hand and with his garment here and you know how like her eyes are closed and she's probably trying to fake cry and, and, and she's kind of looking with one eye open to see if, if they're buying her story. Look, his garment's here with me, you know. I mean, she's really putting on an act and they're buying it. She's lying, uh, all these things, framing Joseph who has done nothing but try to be who God's called him to be. She laid up his garment until... Potiphar came home. Verse 17, And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us, here we go, she's going to blame the guy. Now we know guys have plenty to be blamed for. We, we are bad at a lot of things. But, hey, that was a loud amen. <laughs> There's a lot to blame us guys about, but this is something that she has fabricated. This is something that is all of her, and she's imagined up, and now she's trying to make herself look even better by pinning this problem on him. Look, if you wouldn't have brought this guy into the house, he wouldn't have tried to make this advancement on me. We wouldn't, I mean, she's, she's crafting this story. It's going amazing, and everybody's buying it. Brought him in, uh, came in to, uh, to mock me, and it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me, and he left. Verse 19, it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, when Potiphar heard these things, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did, this, did thy servant to me, his wrath was kindled. Which, again, any husband would be. All right, fine. This guy's going to, he's going to get it. Joseph's master took him, put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and, they, and he was there in the prison. Now, there's a couple of thoughts here that I want to say before we get to the life point, this first life point, is as a, a powerful general, there's a, 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 maybe a thought or question, why didn't he just, hey, Joseph, come here, Psst, slit his throat, you know, like be done with him. Why didn't he just kill him? First, first of all. Second of all, why didn't he even ask Joseph, right? I mean, I get it's his wife, and I get he's the slave, but we know what Joseph has brought to the house, right? And we've already seen that the master has observed that the Lord was with him. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. He knew something's different about Joseph. That's why he promoted him and gave him authority over everything that he owned to run everything he has. Why didn't he have the thought to ask Joseph? Joseph, my wife's saying this, I'm going to kill you. Or I'm going to put you in prison, and you're going to be a prisoner. What happened? Why, why, did, why did he not do this? Regardless, we know this woman, out of control in every sense of the word, and makes up this story, tells her husband, and now we see that Joseph has been thrown into prison. He was he was already bound. He was already a, a captive. He was already a slave. Although he had all this authority, all this freedom inside of his, his bondage, now he's 
thrown into even greater bondage, put into e- even greater, a greater trial than he was before. But what we see in life point number one is this. Joseph was doing everything right. Joseph was trying to, I'm not saying he was sinless, we've already seen that, but he was trying to honor the Lord. He was staying fixated on God. He was not willing to compromise. He was not given a temptation. He was trying to be who God's called him to be. He was, again, in our lives today, we would look at him and say, man, he's trying to do everything he's supposed to do as a person of God. Look at his life. He's trying to do everything. And now this has come against him. It's it, this false accusation, these lies, this manipulation, these things come from this poison. And it tells us, life point number one, that you can't control what others say or do. Now that, that may be a simple thought just to hear and say, well, of course you can. But this is one of those things that I think that we wish we could do at times. Amen. I wish I could make them put a cork in it, <laughs> you know. I, I remember, I've shared this story before, but uh, we've been in stores or walking through stores before, and, and our youngest has been, she's just sometimes unfiltered, especially when she was younger. I mean, she's still that way a little bit now, but um, she would see somebody and say, oh, they're not modest. Mommy, they're not modest, you know, for <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, you don't have to tell me. Or we would walk in a store and there'd be like a, a, a display and she thought, oh, that's not modest, you know. And, and so, like, yes, we know, just don't look at it, you know. But um, sometimes those things come out before you can stop them. There's also those things that we encounter that, um, again, it's outside people saying things to us that we can't control. I know uh, I've shared before that uh, and you can ask people to do it, but again, you can't control them. Uh, I've worked with people in the past before ministry that just would say all kinds of things and, you know, bad language and stuff. And I would ask, I'm like, ah, oh, oh, you know, please don't say that. Uh, we, we recently went on a trip to, uh, to hunt and the, the person that owned the place that we were staying at, well, he was just spilling out all kinds of language. And uh, I mean, we got in the door and he starts talking like that. And I'm like, oh, man, woo. Every time he said, the other guys were like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, we walk out to go get our room, and I didn't know this happened until afterwards, but one of the gentlemen from our church pulled the guy to the side and said, Sir, can you back off of the GD? That guy right, that's walking right there, that's our pastor. You know? and, uh, but again, he tried a little bit better after that, but the reality is this. We can't control what people say. We can't control it. I was told just this morning uh, of a story uh, of a young man that was trying to witness this weekend and uh, was kind of give given a deal. Hey, all right, uh, I'll, I'll take one of your tracks if you are on my video, right? And so uh, he said, uh, okay, well, only if I can, on your video, share the gospel. And uh, he said, okay, yeah, no problem. They give me 45 seconds and I'll, and I'll share the gospel. And uh, the guy said, okay, no problem. He said, wait, 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 what are you going to ask me, though? I, you know, I mean, again, you're, you're at somebody's mercy, you know. And so he goes to ask him a question, very inappropriate question uh, that, the, you know, didn't know what was going to be asked and was, like, taken back, you know, completely shocked at, at the question that was being asked. And it, and it reveals what kind of culture we live in. We reveal, it reveals at what the world is trying to propagate there on YouTube and out there and, and, and 
and stuff like that. Very sad. But again, it was just another example of you can't control what others say. You can't control what other people do. Wouldn't it be nice if you could catch somebody's negative comments before they ever came out? Wouldn't it be nice if you could catch somebody from tearing somebody else down before they ever started? I mean, it would be awesome if we had that ability to control what other people said before they, they said it. Wouldn't you love it if you could avoid that fleshly person's stinky attitude? No? Oh, amen, yeah. I mean, we don't want to be around a stinky attitude. It'd be nice if you knew ahead of time that they got a stinky attitude. I'm just going to avoid them, or I'm going to change that for them. Um, but we can't. The reality is this. Each person is given the responsibility to accept Christ or to reject Christ. That's a personal responsibility. Each person who does not accept Christ has, again, that responsibility on their own. But each person who does, who, who gives their life to Christ, all of us are supposed to live out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're to, we're to live out our lives in a God-honoring way. That's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, uh, So then, my beloved brethren, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out or live out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So many times we're dictated by what other people say or what other people do. Or what we think or what we assume. Again, that, that's sometimes what happens in our lives versus saying, you know what? It's God, it's his will at work in me. I'm, I'm submitted to doing what he wants me to do. The reality is this as well. We all have a hard enough time controlling our own emotions and controlling our own tongues. Each of ourselves, each ourselves have a hard enough time doing that. James, matter of fact, would say this is nearly an impossible thing to do. We all have a hard enough time having self-control in our own lives. So to get wrapped up into what other people are saying or doing, even when it's bad against you, I believe is a futile cause. And I'm not saying that we aren't supposed to stand up for the right or we're not supposed to uh, admonish or rebuke or in the, the, the right way. But the reality is, in the church, we know that there are right ways to handle offenses. There's, there's proper ways with a proper attitude of heart and mind and mouth. There's ways to do that. And that's a completely different message. But Joseph couldn't control what a, a heathen lady, somebody who had, had nothing to do with Almighty God in a relationship with him, he couldn't control what she said or did against him. And it's still true for us today. We can't change that. We, we, we can't control, again, we can, we can in many ways uh, control who we're around or who we hang out with or what we see or what we watch, what we listen to. We have certain controls, but there, to a certain extent, are even no way for us to control what other people say against us. And now that we have social media on the scene today, oh man, oh man. You can't control what other people say or do. But I want to say this, we can only do what he did. And what Joseph did 
even when there were lies, even when there was manipulation, even when there was false accusation, and, and, and even worse trials. Again, just trying to be the person God called him to be, and now these lies and this, this junk comes against him, and it gets worse for him while he was just simply trying to do what God wanted him to do. So in this situation, we learned we should do exactly what God, or what Joseph did in, in this situation, and that was he was the person that God, who God had called him to be, with the right heart and with the right mind. He maintained, I, I can't control her. I can't even control my circumstances. I can't control what she's doing against me, but I can determine and say, I'm going to continue to be faithful to God. I'm going to continue to have the right heart and right mind. I'm not going to get bitter against her. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to be somebody who God has not called me to be. I'm going to remain to be uh, the person that God has called me to be regardless. That's a high calling. That's a hard standard to follow. But it's also the standard that our Lord left for us to follow. Who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When they spat on him, he didn't spit back at them. When they pulled his beard out, he didn't reach for theirs. When they slapped him, he didn't slap them back. When they mocked him, he didn't mock them back. When they say, hey, if you're God, won't you uh, do something about it? He didn't give in, and he didn't act in a fleshly way. Again, that's our example before us. The truth is this. If you keep your heart right with God and with others, you can note this. It frees you from the bondage of what others do to you or put you through. If you keep your heart right with God and you keep your heart right with other people, regardless of what they do or say, it frees you from that bondage because that's what the enemy wants to do. Whenever your heart gets wrong and it's not right with the Lord and your heart gets wrong and it's not right with people, then what they sit, when they say something or when they do something or they don't say something or they don't do something that you want them or don't want them to do, what that ends up doing is putting you in bondage. And now you're controlled by what they say or what they don't say or what they do or they don't do. You're now in bondage. And it's controlling your thoughts, it's controlling your feelings, it will control your actions because it has brought you into that bondage. Joseph, even though he was thrown into prison, he was still a free man. What Potiphar's wife did to him didn't enslave him. He didn't say, you know what, when I get out, I'm going to get her back. He, he, he entrusted me with everything, and this is how she treated me. Just wait till I... Get an opportunity. We don't see that with Joseph. We see Joseph's circumstances get worse, but Joseph's heart remain true. It's with this canvas that God can paint the picture of his mercy on a person's heart, even through great difficulties. It's that canvas, that, 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 that willingness. God, here's my heart, here's my life. My circumstances have gotten worse. I've tried to be faithful to you. I'm in your word every day. I'm praying every day. I'm faithful to I'm faithful every service. I'm trying to witness to everybody I can. I'm trying to obey the commands that you've given me, even your word, to, to live a life that's honoring to you, that, that is living a life that's pleasing to you. And yet in this condition and in this state of living, things are getting worse for me. Our health is going down. Our finances are going down. My job situation's bad. My relationship's bad. I mean, it just gets worse, but we're trying to do everything right. When we keep our heart and our mind right with God and with other people, then it's like that canvas that God can say, let me paint my mercy on your life. Let me paint a picture that 
clearly points to me. So Joseph, while he was in prison, as I said, didn't live as if he was in bondage. When you would look at his life, it would be kind of a, a, an oddity because there he is in this dark dungeon. There he is imprisoned uh, as a slave. Not, uh, not only as a slave, but now he's a slave that's imprisoned. You look at his life there, it, it would be an oddity because he is absolutely free. His, his heart is freed from bitterness and, and disgust. His heart, his heart is free from, from revenge. Uh, his, his mind is free from worry, from, from anything like that. He's a free man because he's kept his eyes fixated on the Lord, because he's, he's kept his heart true and right to God and to others, no matter what has happened in his, in his circumstances, no matter what somebody has said or done against him. He's maintained that. He continued to do everything as unto the Lord, just as you and I are commanded to do in Colossians chapter 3. So look at verse 21. There he is, thrown in prison, a slave imprisoned, lied about, falsely accused. But the Lord was with Joseph. And here it is. And showed him mercy and gave him favor. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to go through difficulties in this life, if I'm going to go through trials that are larger than life, you know what? If, if the best thing through those things would be to experience God's grace and mercy, that's what I want. Because the Bible says that. Jesus said, in this life you shall have tribulation. It's going to be bad because this world is full of sin. It's full of darkness. And, and the reason why it still is full of sin and full of darkness is because God is still saving sinners. He's not willing that any should perish. He would that all men to be saved. So you and I are products of God's mercy and grace and long-suffering. Just because if you're here today and you've accepted that free gift of salvation, that was the point in your life that it changed for you. But before that... You were contributing to the problem. I was contributing to the problem of being a sinner and causing problems in this world. And when we get saved, we realize that we don't automatically become this sinless, perfect saint. We're in the process of supposedly becoming more like Christ every day, like we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. So not only do we have sinners who don't want to have anything to do with God, who want to still live their lives for themselves, who end up making you know, these decisions that go against God's word, that is called sin, breaking God's law, that produces death, the Bible says, sin produces death, that brings about destruction and death and life. But we also have people who have accepted God's free gift of salvation, who have had all their sins forgiven, that still struggle with sin, and also help contribute to the problems in this world. So we're going to have problems in this world. We're going to have difficulties in our life. Things are going to go from bad to worse because of the nature of the world that we live in. A nature of, of a world that is full, that God's grace is being poured out on every day, that his mercy is being poured out on every day. Because one day, what God's righteous judgment is going to do is he's going to wipe away all evil. It's going to be completely gone. And the door of salvation, the opportunity for God's grace, the day of his grace, the day of his mercy will be over. But until then, this is the world we live in. And so we have to make choices like Joseph did to say, you know what, I, I'm going to strive to be who God's called me to be in the midst of this difficult world, in the midst of this dark world, in the midst of this world where people will make stuff up about you, will tear you down, 
will lie about you because they didn't get their way. People will attack you. People will defame you. Well, I, I'm going to be who God's going to be. I'm going to strive to maintain a right heart and a right mind in all of these things so that God can paint this beautiful picture of his grace and mercy on my life, even in the midst of the prison. So he had mercy and favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So God says, you know what? I'm still with you. I know it gets, it's, it's, it's gotten worse. It's bad for you right now. I'm still with you. You've kept your heart right. You've kept your, your focus right. I'm with you. The keeper of the prison said, you know what? This guy's got something different about him. He's a good guy. I don't know. I mean, I, we don't see that, but I, I can see him saying, I don't really see you doing that with uh, Potiphar's wife. And Joseph saying, well, just let my testimony speak for itself. Or say, I absolutely didn't do that, you know. And the keeper of the prison say, eh, I don't think so. You're not like that. You're not that kind of guy. I've seen those guys come through this place. <laughs> You're not like him. You're not like them. So he committed Joseph and all, in, uh, in verse 22, all the prisoners that were in the prison. <laughs> Think about that. Like, you're a prisoner, but you're in charge. And whatever they did there, he was the doer of it. Like now he was over all of Potiphar's, uh, basically over all of Egypt, controlling all of Egypt under the general. And now he's in prison, and the prison keeper, the guard, the, 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 the chief, you know, what's that called? The warden, he says, uh, you're it. You got it all. I'm going to go drink some coffee. <laughs> I'm not worried about anything. You're a good guy. You got grace and mercy on your life. You got it all. So Joseph was handling everything in the prison. Verse 22, the keeper of the prison looked not into anything that was under his hand. I, I told you, he's like, I'm going to go drink coffee. You, you deal with it all because the Lord was with him. There it was. It was very clear in his life that Joseph was keeping his heart, his mind, his life straight with the Lord. And God honored that even in the lowest valley, even in the darkest trial. And that which he did, the Lord did made to prosper. Or Lord made, made it to prosper. Life point two. It's important to never forget that God's mercy is unfailing and that his grace is amazing. It's important Listen to those words, to never forget that his mercy is unfailing and his grace is amazing. I, I need you to listen to me this morning. The further we go in the process of life, we all can be guilty, especially us as Christians, to think that our life, that our good life, the way that we have it, that they're a result of, of the choices that we've made. The reason why my life is good now is because of what I've done. We can all be guilty of that. Whether we think those thoughts or not, or whether it becomes an attitude of our heart or our mind, it's because, like I said a while ago, I, I go to church, I read my Bible, I give, I serve, I, I, I witness, I do all these things that are right, and so my life is supposed to be good. Like we can get that attitude of heart and, and attitude of mind because of the choices that we made. But the reason I said we can all be guilty is because of this. When we do that, we lose sight of the fact that we have no goodness of our own. None. 
And we begin to think that, man, it's because of the, I, I, I'm experiencing the good life. My life is comfortable. We have money. We are healthy. We have these things. We begin to think that it's a culmination of our own good in our life or, or some formula that we've, we've followed or put together, but it's nothing about us. I mean, yes, we have to make choices. Yes, we have to submit, but any good thing, the Bible says, comes from above. Every good gift comes from above. Scripture says this about our righteousness in Isaiah 64, 6, you Many of you are familiar with it. It says this, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All of our righteousness still measures up to nothing compared to God. It's nothing. Our righteousness is like a dirty, filthy rag. That's us and ourselves. It goes on to say in, in, Roman, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody's good. There's none that doeth good, the Bible says. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, 13 verses later, it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody, I don't care if you're a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, uh, 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 a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, or just a regular church member. None are righteous. All have sinned. Amen. That's us ourselves. We, we have nothing good in ourselves. So, as I said, we can be guilty of thinking, even as a child of God, in his righteousness, that we deserve something because. Look, we talk about what we deserve <laughs> Because everything good we have in our life has been given to us by God's grace and mercy. Because it says the wages of sin is death, and if we all have sin, then we all deserve death. That's what we deserve. What we can work up and what we can do ourselves, even as good as we could possibly, in the, possibly be in the standard of man's eyes in judgment, falls absolutely, tragically short of God's righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 13, for the promise to Abraham, to his descendants, that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, it says, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. So in other words, if, if it's those who can obey the law are made heirs, then we need to stop talking about the promise of God. When you talk about having faith in God, it's simply task that you do that brings about the being heir of God. Verse 15, but the law brings about wrath. But where there is no law, so we need the law, because where there's no law, there's also no violation. You don't know what you've done wrong if you don't know what is right. So that's what he's saying. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise of God will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also, or under the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham as the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. 
Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was 90, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured of what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. See, because Abraham believed God, he put his faith in God alone. The Bible says that God deposited into Abraham's soul eternal account righteousness. So even, as we say, righteous Abraham did not do anything in himself to be good. It was God's righteousness deposited into Abraham, the father of many nations, the father of faith, if you will. It was what God did depositing that righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it as written that it was credited to him. It's not just the fact that, oh, Abraham found out, oh, I got God's righteousness in my life because I trusted God alone. He said it's not just written down for him only, but for our sakes also, to whom it will be credited. As those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. See, it was our sins for our sins that he died. It was for our justification that he rose. He did it all. It's his righteousness, not our own, that we, that we have. So unless we forget, let's remember, we have nothing good in ourselves, in and of ourselves. Every good that we have is from God. Even the ability to obey, even the ability to trust. The gifts are from God. He didn't have to extend grace. He didn't have to give us mercy. But because of his great love, he did. Because most of us, if we were in God's shoes and saw the sins that we committed, most of us would probably just let us die in our sins. If you were able to be in God's place and judge, and you were able to look at your life personally and see the things you've committed in your life, you would judge yourself worthy to die for that. I would do that for my life. There's no doubt. But God in his mercy and his grace said, I'll die that death for you. You deserve it. You committed the sins. But I'll die in your place. I'll pay for that. And then I'll rise and I'll open this invitation to you to have life eternal. And I'll give it to you if you'll accept it. If you'll trust me, if you'll surrender your life, I'll give you eternal life and I'll never take it back. It's given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28 says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became unto us. This is what Christ became for us. Wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it's written, nobody can boast except from the Lord. So he's all the things that we need to stand before God rightly. Is Jesus Christ. So while we can expect God's mercy to be here faithfully every day, the Bible says that, I believe we also can expect it wrongfully in pride. We can expect it in a fleshly way. Well, I thought God's mercy is supposed to be new every single morning. That's wrong. 
We can miss the advantage of it, the blessing that it truly is. We can have his mercy misconstrued for our own human desire for comfort and really get messed up. For example, I'm going through a really hard time right now. If God's mercy was really amazing and unfailing and new every morning, he would get me out of this hard time and he'd get me back to my comfortable life that I had before. That's a misconstrued human understanding of God's mercy. But we view God, his goodness, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his eternal nature and his, eter and his eternal being, his eternal will, we view it wrong when we think only in temporal terms. See, God's mercy and grace may actually look like a peace in the middle of a great storm or trial. What does his mercy and grace look like? Sometimes it's a peace that passes all understanding. When you're in prison, when you're in a dungeon, when you're in darkness, and you're experiencing something that you really can't explain, but you know it's going to be okay. God gives mercy. He gives peace. He gives grace. See, Joseph didn't get out of the trial. His trial got greater. He went further down into the darkness. He went further down into the bondage. A slave is now a prisoner. That's what happened to Joseph after just being who he was supposed to be. And it was there, in that place, that God, the Bible says, gave him grace and mercy. And they were clear, even when the trial got more difficult. See, we might only see the prison bars, but Joseph saw the mercy. You and I might only see the captivity that we're in, but Joseph saw the grace. We might only see the darkness and the dinginess of our circumstances. But Joseph was able to see the Lord's hand even in his circumstance. How? How do we do that? How was he able to do that? Perspective. He kept his perspective, his heart, his mind right with the Lord. I deserve nothing good. Joseph knew that. I deserve nothing good with anything that I have, but God has given me everything good that I have even in affliction, even in trial, even in storms, even in the darkness, even in the gloom, even in the dinginess, God is still God, and God is still perfectly good. And his mercy and his blessings are there. And if you are a child of God this morning, you simply have to keep fixated on Christ like Joseph did to be able to see that and not your problems. It doesn't make the problems go away. Joseph was still in prison. Joseph was still a slave that was imprisoned. But he was experiencing something that nobody else was experiencing in that. That's still possible for us as the children of God today. He's either God and he's got a good plan and everything he's written is true, even through our bad experiences, or he's not. That has to be settled in your heart. Much like when we, our kids go through difficulties at school, we tell them, look, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through it. You'll see another year. You'll eventually graduate. We tell them that. Listen, we see it differently. So does God. God sees our lives differently. Better than we do for our, our, our kids. It's so much better. The Bible is true. It says this in Lamentations, and I'm done. That his mercy is new every morning. That his faithfulness is great. When you get time, maybe this afternoon, go and read uh, Psalm chapter 136. There's 26 verses in Psalm 136. And I don't even count how many times it says his mercy endures forever. That's a promise of God. That's the truth of God. That's, 
That's the reality of what God's mercy is. It endures forever. 26 verses in your own time. Count how many times it says it. I can make it real easy on you, but you can look at it yourself. This morning, let's remember these two life points. Let's make sure that our heart stays right with God. Let's remember that, man, everything good we have comes from Him. That we may not be able to control what people do or say against us. We may not be able to control our circumstances, but we can maintain the right posture of our heart towards our God. And God's grace and mercy then can be painted in our life. And we can experience something supernatural like Joseph did as an imprisoned slave. And that's what I encourage you with this morning. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, you, you've heard what we've said this morning that, that we're the sinners, that he died for us, he rose again. But you know in your heart you've never surrendered your life to him. You know that there's never been a time, maybe you said a prayer, maybe you've tried to be good, maybe you've tried to say, you know what, I'm just going to do better. Maybe you've tried to come to church. But you know in your life you've never said, here I am, Lord. I trust you and you alone. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again and I give you my life. I'm gonna follow you, I trust you, I confess you as my Lord, you're over me, you're my savior. If you've never done that before, and not just said those words, but made that, that heart commitment, please come today, come forward today. We've got, we'll have a couple of men down here, but we've got some ladies, and we can take you and not embarrass you, I promise you that's not what we're gonna do. We can take you to a, a side room and show you in God's word, and today could be the day of salvation for you. Today you could walk out of this place and say, I know without a doubt that I'm going to heaven when I die because of what God did for me. But don't leave this place not sure where you're going to spend eternity. Don't, please don't bank on anything else other than what, what Christ has done for you and that you surrender to that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message. I pray you move now in the time that we have to respond. Uh, God, help us to maintain a right heart posture, a right mind posture. God, help us to... Uh, follow you. Lord, help us see even this example of a type of Christ, of, of Joseph in the Old Testament. Lord, help us see that example and follow after that to be who you've called us to be, regardless of what we go through. Lord, just move now in this invitation, and we'll be sure to praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.